Welcome to the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris and Chris, the show that meets at the intersection of education and entertainment to discuss online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, wholesale, and all facets of selling on Amazon. We'll bring you news, tactics, strategies, insights, stories, and interviews to help you grow your Amazon business. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Grant and Chris Rasick. Hey guys, Chris Grant here, and I wanted to make a quick note before you start this podcast. Unfortunately, on my end, there is quite a bit of uh, audio problems, a mic issue or something like that. I'm not 100% sure yet, but I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. Uh, However, we really wanted to publish this episode because there is some good content in here uh, that I think will be helpful for the community, and we wanted to make sure to get it out and, of course, not miss another week of the podcast Uh, But I want to apologize for the audio issues. I hope that you can get through it. uh, And I am going to get to the bottom of it, so this won't happen again. This is not the quality that I expect, nor is it the quality that I think that you deserve. uh, And I'll make sure that it doesn't happen again. So uh, just a little apology ahead of time. But let's go ahead and get to the show. What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris. We are back in the saddle. Saddle this uh, both myself and my my municipal co-host Chris Rasick, uh, uh, and this episode's going to be a, a really a really good. One. We're going to be doing a mailbag episode. We answer questions that have come in from you, from you people. Uh, but before we do that, do that please a huge solid smash the like button wherever you might be listening to this podcast. Hit subscribe and. If you could leave us a review, that would be a huge, huge help, and we'll love you forever. At least I will. I can't speak for Chris. Uh, Now, before we get to the actual episode, I've teased this in the past, uh, and we want to start giving some shout-outs for the people who do leave reviews, and I want to make sure that we start that this week um, and and continue to do that uh, just kind of as a thank you. So this week's review comes from uh, Style Iconique, and... Uh, she says, which I know that I'm, I'm assuming, but uh, she says, I'm so excited that Chris and Chris now have a podcast. Uh, they genuinely care for their Amazon sellers, and I look forward to hearing from them each week. I'm nine months into my Amazon journey, and I'm grateful to have them along my side. Whether you're a newbie or seasoned seller, uh, there's something new to take away from each episode. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and take that as high praise. So, so Stike, I, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, if you guys would uh, would leave us leave us a review, greatly appreciate it, and eventually uh, give you a little shout out on the podcast as well. As well. Uh, now, before we get started with this mailbag episode, where, where we actually answer some questions that uh, that you guys, you guys have sent in, uh, there's a little bit of news. And we were away last week. That was my fault. Uh, I decided to take the family on a little vacation before uh, back to school time, which is uh, actually Wednesday, uh, which is kind of insane to me. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it's crazy how fast this summer has gone. Uh, but the news is from about a week, a uh, week and a half ago or so, but uh, it's that time of year when it is, uh, it, we're about halfway through the year, and so uh, companies are coming out with their earnings reports. And Amazon released theirs, and it, what's interesting is that Amazon's first party online sales were 50.9 billion during the second quarter. 
Now that represented less than 42% of its overall net sales of 121.2 billion. The part that I found interesting is that third, that third dollars, so you and me, uh, Chris and, and everyone else listening, uh, were responsible for 57% of units sold on Amazon in Q2. Uh, and, and according to Brian Osavsky, uh, which is Amazon's chief financial officer, uh, uh, that's a record high. It's never been that high. Uh, now, of course, they are using units sold rather than uh, gross gross merchandise volume. Uh, so, you know, it's a little bit of a different uh, measurement, but it's still a significant number. Uh, now, in a, in a related trend, which I thought was interesting, Amazon's revenue from third-party seller services, so our Amazon fees uh, that, uh, I don't know what they call it, that gas and inflation fee that they imposed on us earlier this year, uh, PPC charges, all of that stuff, uh, those topped $27 billion. Now, if, if you do keep up on the news, you'll know that that's enough dollars uh, to allow Amazon to buy Roomba about 20 times. Uh, they just picked up Roomba for, I think, about 1.5 or 1.6 billion. Uh, and they now have uh, maps of all of our houses, uh, you, know, in, you know, in there as well. So, uh, uh, fun, time to, fun time to be alive. Time to be alive. Uh, but you could say they're sweeping in the fees. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh, we're here all week. People. Yes, uh, uh, next week we will be introducing a rim, rim shot uh, sound effect for uh, for those <laughs> kind of things. Uh, but what's interesting is that twenty seven billion dollars uh, was a record for a non holiday quarter. Now I don't know whether or not I would imagine that probably took the money spent and made uh, during Prime Day, which. Uh, PPC costs tend to go up and, you know, there are a lot of big brands on Amazon that are, are willing to spend, you know, $100,000 in a day on, uh, on a sales holiday like that. Uh, but that was the biggest Amazon's ever made in a non-holiday quarter from their third-party seller services. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Amazon seems to be doing well in the face of rising inflation. And it seems like Amazon sellers are, are doing all right, at least in the number of, of units they're selling. Uh, you know, difficult to tell who's profitable and who's not, but hopefully all of you guys listening uh, are profitable, uh, you know, this, this year. So, uh, but yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was really, that was really interesting. I'm fascinated to see what happens through the rest, through the rest of the, I know that Amazon reported, reported, uh, they expect the rest of the, rest of the year pretty well. Walmart and Target set their targets for the rest of the year, but, but Amazon, no, we're going to keep on cruising. Uh, and so, I don't know, I, I hope right. Yeah, I mean that would make sense, uh, you know, because it's it's well publicized, you know, the the glut of inventory that Walmart and Target is sitting on, mm -hmm. you know, so they're uh, they're doing a bit of uh, liquidation um, right now, and not only the backlog, but then I imagine it's probably compounded by the fact that they have to clear some room for Q4 stock as well. Mm -hmm. So you know that's gonna that's going to kind of eat away um, at the numbers a little bit where Amazon doesn't really have the same problem. 
um, they, they just charge us storage fees, you know, if, right. if they have too much inventory sitting around. But uh, th- those are numbers. Uh, those are promising numbers. You know, that's yeah. uh, Amazon's doing well and, and third party sellers continue to do well. Uh, that should beat back the, uh, uh, the the market saturated talk, you know, uh, between third party sellers and, you know, the, the, the doomsayers that uh, this is a, a dying uh, industry and avenue for, for third parties. Yeah, I, I agree. I will. I will. It is kind of interesting is because I do try to keep try to keep my the pulse of what's going on in the retail retail world and Amazon and things like that. It's it's interesting when I walk into a store and I realize like exactly what I'm doing. And most people, for example, today I walked into a Walgreens to grab something, and I noticed that Halloween stuff is already out, which means, you know. They they ordered early because they wanted to make sure they could get what they what they wanted or what they needed for Halloween uh, and all that stuff sitting right next to the back to school stuff at Walgreens uh, and then right next to that they were just slashing prices on summer stuff and some toys and things like that and the, the clearance was deep a lot deeper than I've seen in a long time at Walgreens. Uh, and so I don't know, it's, it's just fascinating to kind of see it in real life after you read it and, and think about it and digest it. And, uh, and then you go and, you know, like me, you go and look up that stuff on Amazon and you're like, oh, there's a lot of profit to be made here because, uh, you know, there's a, a much bigger marketplace we can take it to. So, yeah, well, that's, that's good news. Cause, uh, wags is, uh, in store wags has been a little, uh, little bear for a while so that's promising to hear yeah yeah absolutely all right all right well without further ado this this episode be fun it is going to be a mailbag mailbag episode we've picked uh i don't know uh, there's there's maybe some questions here and we're going to completely rapid fire through them but we are going to get through all these questions uh and then what i would suggest is i i really do think that we're going to do some more of these episodes because uh well to be to be completely honest here, these are easy episodes. Uh, you know, we, we don't have to do a lot of planning. Uh, we can copy and paste your questions and, and answer them. And so uh, it makes for a, a nice, easy show prep. Uh, but it also gives you the opportunity to ask questions. And uh, you may not believe this, but I actually do some research before these episodes and make sure that uh, either I've A, got the right answer or I've had some time to come up with an opinion uh, to, to be able to answer these. So uh, hopefully this will be something you guys enjoy and we can do more of. Uh, if you want to ever ask a question, you want to get it on the show, uh, for right now, the best way to do that is uh, just send an email over to chris at cleartheshelf.com. And eventually we may get fancy and, and have some sort of sort of way to send us a, a, a voice message message or something. Uh, uh, until then, and, uh, undo it or you can DM any of any of us uh, social media, which uh, all of that all of that is in the show notes. So you can follow along, along uh, uh, when we release these episodes and, and, and share social media. So uh, uh, let's go ahead and dive in, man. Um, what's uh, what's the first question right. we got? So I'll, I'll be driving the bus with the questions and, uh, uh, first, first couple, I'm going to take some liberties as co-host and I'm going to get some personal questions out of the way as uh, you should. Yes. Take, take full advantage. Um, so my first question is, um, 
little background on the question. Um, it's been at least, I don't know, I'd say about two months uh, since I sent you the replacement photo. Um, but yet you insist on keeping the 70s porn mustache photo of me in the thumbnail. So my question is, uh, does your sick sense of humor come naturally or is it something <laughs> that you've worked on? Uh, well, I did have to work on that a little bit. Uh, it, it took it took a little bit of time, uh, a little bit of effort on my part, but uh, it did come. I don't know. It seemed to come naturally. It was like riding a bike, uh, but I wanted to get better at it. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry that you are. Uh, I'm sorry that you are victim to that. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, and and at this point, I mean, we're less than two months away from November which is, is the, that's a, a charity that we're, where you grow a mustache for the month of November. So, it, I mean, at this point, it's probably not even worth changing. So uh, you win this round, sir. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, but then another personal question, and, and we had talked about this and, um, just briefly, and we didn't get to dive into it. But, uh, you know, in the, in the various, uh, you know, Facebook group and, and in the Discord, um, I always see people talking about how much they're winning the buy box or how they're not winning the buy box and, and, and whatnot, or, and different variations of, of a similar question. So my question is, uh, considering regional buy boxes, you know, the fact that someone in California is going to see a different seller than, than I am potentially, you know, in, in Ohio, um, how can you definitively tell how much you've had the buy box? That is a good question. And since, since Amazon is a black box and most other software is not going to tell you exactly how, how they get all their data, I'm going to say that I don't think you can definitively tell how much, how much you buy box, uh, you know, you know, that little buy box percentage number, number at seller central, uh, I think. I think they've got an algorithm based throwing a dart at a number and just feeding you, feeding you something uh, because it's it's got to be got to be off. There, there's no way that if I if I'm getting a three percent buy box share uh, that I should be selling through, you know, one percent of my inventory every single day, which is kind of it's about where I'm where I am uh, and kind of where I I try to be. Um, and, but then you could go and you could look at your uh, your repricer. A lot of repricers will have uh, what kind of buy box percentage you have, and mine is always different than what Amazon shows. But I think it's wrong too. I don't know that I'm necessarily getting the buy box 30% of the time or 35% of the time or whatever they're telling me. Uh, you know, and I just, I mean, if Keepa can't gather regional buy box data, uh, and Amazon doesn't share regional buy box data. Uh, however, we know it exists and you and I should probably do this test, but I've done it with, uh, I've done it with one or two other folks where we've looked at the exact same item at the exact same time. And it is definitely two, only two different in the buy box, uh, uh, you know, Ohio and Florida where I was, was where I've done things. Um, so, so I don't know. Well, I, you, I think I it's. Yeah, you even yeah. see it with uh, uh, Revseller. You know, mm -hmm. you, you'll look and, and their buy box number is different from the actual buy box that I'm looking at. You know, uh, on the Amazon listing itself. So yeah, and the, but then if you go into the offers, you can see oh, that's who they're pulling. Right. You know, because it'll be right there. 
Um, so, yeah, as much as I'd love to say, oh, well, just check here and you're going to be able to find out how much percentage of the buy box you're getting. I think I think it's one of those numbers that uh, we're never going to really know. Yeah, that's and that's how I looked at it, too. Um, and, I, you know, you see the question so much like, hey, you know, I'm winning the buy box that, you know, it's like, I, how do you know? You know, I mean, even sellers less experienced than me. It's like, I, you know, I must have missed that day of the OA challenge or something. You know, you start <laughs> questioning things. But uh, I, I always chalked it up to, uh, you know, kind of like sales velocity. The, you know, Amazon's not going to publish what the actual sales are. And everywhere you look, you're going to get a different answer. You know, yep. whether it be Jungle Scouts Estimator, whether it be, you know, Rev Seller, whether it be Seller Amp, you know, Keepa, all these places, you know, but you can kind of triangulate the general idea. Mm-hmm. And that was always good enough for me, you know, and, yep. and that that kind of leads to my follow up question. Um, as much as we do see that question about, obsessing uh, getting real granular with how much you're winning the buy- sellers are, are individually winning the buy box does it really matter you know assuming that your your min price is lower than the current buy box and you have the asin turned on in your repricer is there any benefit to babysitting it any further i don't i don't think so i mean that's that's my opinion anyway so my opinion is is that Amazon sellers in general, at least what I've seen, uh, tend to obsess over all these numbers that we get thrown at us, you know, from Seller Central, uh, from, you know, repricing software, from, uh, you know, sales estimate softwares and and all these things. Uh, And I really think that too many people obsess over too much. Uh, And it one it that takes a lot of bandwidth you know we've only got so many decisions that we can make every single day well well uh a matter of fact jeff bezos has has a semi-famous quote or short talk on on decision making making and uh he's like if i could make three good decisions decisions single day he's like we're we're gonna be on track uh he's like any any more than that i'm out uh and I think that maybe we need to take a step back and like, personally, I want to know, okay, how much of my inventory am I selling through on a daily basis? Am I, you know, am I hitting one or 2% of my total available inventory sold every single day? If I am great, awesome. I'm on the right track. I'm happy with where things are going. And if my inventory is increasing and my percentage of sales is staying the same at, you know, one somewhere between one and 2% per day, I'm going to see growth. And, you know, of course, I also need to pair that with, am I looking at, you know, my, my profit margins? Am I looking at my ROI? Am I looking at, you know, those bottom line numbers that actually matter? And if I can stay in the black in those bottom line numbers, and I can stay in that one to 2% of inventory being sold every single day, and then I just grow my inventory. Well, I should have a growing business. There are, we want, we want in business in business in general, and especially on Amazon, there are, there are unknowns that we just cannot factor for, especially with the Amazon, because they don't, don't lend to, you know, their algorithms. They don't into, you know, uh, you know, all things that, that they do. They don't want to want to tell us not going to. 
and so I think that because we kind of work in this gray area all the time, people want anything concrete that they can grasp onto, uh, even if they don't really matter in the long run. So, but I don't know how to help people get over that and just focus on the things that actually do matter. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a natural tendency, you know, I, I uh, you know, I'm three and a half years in and, and I, you know, I look back on some of the attitudes and some of the questions um, that I was asking at that time. And, uh, you know, you have to fight an impatience, mm-hmm. um, you know, because especially when you're, you're a beginning seller, you know, think about how many, you know, pretty much everyone you talk to in that space is going to be more experienced than you, you know, so you kind of, you have to fight that urge to, to want to catch up, you know, to, to their level, you know, and, and you want to get sales and, and, you know, that's, we were talking about it in, in the mastermind group, the, uh, how new sellers immediately think they have to ungate everything, you know, mm-hmm. because they think they see too many things that they're gated in. And, you know, they think they, it's almost like a, you know, grass is greener kind of thing. You know, they think if, it, well, if I open up all the stuff, it's things are going to be a lot easier when, you know, that's, I mean, things will get easier, but that's not necessarily the path to get there. In my opinion, you know, yeah. it's, um, you know, there's a certain amount of reps that, that you need to get in. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong ungating some certain things can, can make, uh, can make things easier, you know, your seller career easier, but it's certainly not necessary, you know, to, you know, be a few weeks in and have Nike and Adidas ungated, you know, it's, um, but yeah, I say, I think there's, you know, it's, there's a lot of uh, overlap, you know, with newer sellers that, that, you know, they kind of get in a hurry and, uh, they, they want to spend some time on things that might not be quite as urgent as they think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I I think I talked, I touched on really quickly about how, you know, we're kind of always in this gray area. We kind of work with a lot of unknowns, a lot of variables. Um, and I see it, I see that it's difficult, difficult for some people to, to kind of get over, over. Uh, and I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily one person. I kind of, I think I blame, I blame the mentality a little bit. You know, I, th- you know, I think about as an employee, I knew exactly what, what my job is. I did a B and C and C that was it. Uh, you know, I didn't do any more, I didn't do any less, and I knew exactly how to do it. Uh, you know, there were rules and all of that. And when we become Amazon sellers and entrepreneurs and, and you know, business owners or self-employed or whatever you want to call it, uh, I mean, it, where it's, you wake up every day and you're just like, man, I, you don't know what might come down the, the pike at you. Uh, if you're going to your job, you know exactly what's going to happen. You're going to yell at by your boss because you're five minutes late. Uh, you're going to slog through your work. You're going to spend lunch uh, uh, shopping on Amazon or scrolling social media. Uh, you're going to talk around the water cooler and, uh, you know, I don't know, make fun of some other employees, and then you're going to go home. Uh, but I wish that I could, I don't know, I've become comfortable being uncomfortable. And I wish that I could give that gift to everybody else who's just getting started or, or even people who've been around for a while, uh, you know, who just can't seem to make that transition to being com- comfortable, being uncomfortable. I, 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 I guess once we figure that out, we're probably going to be going to be like rich, uh, you know, being able to being able to share with people. Yeah. 
at least in this business, you don't have to pretend to be productive for six of your eight hours that you that you work. You know, you, <laughs> exactly. you just be honest with yourself. Do your two hour spurt, and you know, <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Then go watch some TV. <laughs> right. All right. So uh, we're gonna move to the, uh, this next question. Is interesting. This we just got this one today. Actually, uh, I think it was over the Discord. But uh, the question is: Does using public Wi-Fi put your account at risk for suspension due to potentially being linked to another account that's been suspended or even, I guess, probably a duplicate account because the, the, the matching IP. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I totally, I totally get where this question's coming from. You know, there have been people who are like, Oh, well, Hey, I, you know, my, my sister, so I'll tell you a real story. So, uh, for several years, my sister-in-law lived uh, in one of my spare rooms, and she decided eventually that she wanted to start selling on Amazon. So uh, we had some very strict rules in our house. Uh, one, she was not allowed to, to touch her. She was not allowed to touch my phone. We did use the same internet access, same Wi-Fi, but she used her own computer, she on phone. Uh, and we asked Amazon time, uh, hey, I'm going to have to have a family who's also going to sell on Amazon from this location, the same address. Do you have any issues with that? Amazon said, nope, that's no problem. Uh, not a big deal. Uh, but, you know, she can never log into her account on my computer. Uh, now, we would, we took a vacation or two as a kind of as a, a big family unit. Uh, and you know, we shared Wi-Fi on a cruise ship. We shared Wi-Fi in, in a hotel, never had any issues at all. I've been to a ton of seller conferences, uh, where, you know, we're all sharing the same Wi-Fi, no issues, never heard of anyone else having any issues. So, you know, go to a Panera, whatever, you're not going to have any issues like that. Amazon understands what they're seeing traffic wise. Uh, now I would say. If you were to go to maybe your friends with a fellow Amazon seller, if I were to I tell you, what, if I were to go over to Chris's house and hang out for a while, I would not ask for the Wi-Fi password and, and use my phone to check my sales on Amazon. Uh, because Amazon does know that, know that you in from your IP, IP address. Well, why is this other account all count all this logging into their account from your, from your IP address? Now, could they figure your, could they out and to be like, oh, well, maybe they're their friends. Yeah, probably, uh, uh, you know, a Google search would show that, oh, well, Chris Rasick and Chris Grant, they happen to know each other, uh, you know, fairly well, uh, but they're not going to do that. And so you should protect yourself in that way. Uh, you know, or if you don't have cell service, yeah, bring some sort of hotspot or whatever it is, but, uh, in public no, no issues at all. Good to know. All right. So this, uh, I also have a question and these questions are anonymous, so I can make fun of the people that ask them. Right. <laughs> I think it's right. Yeah, absolutely. This might be a little tinfoil haddish, um, but it says, I saw somewhere that sometimes Amazon is the seller, but using a different name. Is that true? And how can I know? <laughs> Definitely has some um, uh, some tinfoil hat vibes. Uh, oh, what's that? What's that idiot's name who's getting uh, getting sued out the uh, out the wazoo right now? Alex uh, Jones. Alex Jones. Little little Alex yes. Jones. Infowars uh, uh, feel to it. 
So, but, but they have an interesting question because I comes from, uh, uh, it does come from a little bit of truth, truth. Uh, there were, was a very short period of time. Amazon was showing up, uh, as a seller. It wasn't, it wasn't showing Amazon, but what it was showing is it was showing the name of a female vice president at Amazon. Uh, I want to say Jennifer or something like that. And it was really, really weird. It must've been a glitch. Uh, and of course, you know, as soon as we all figured it out, I know that Nate McAllister wrote a blog post on it. Uh, I created a meme or two, uh, making fun (laughs) of it. Uh, and, and it was really interesting, but I would say less than a week later that all went away. Uh, and so it must've been some glitch or I don't know, maybe somebody was, was messing around with, uh, with her, uh, and things like that. Now, the other thing you might see on Amazon is you might see the Amazon global UK store on occasion. And, uh, I know that some people have asked me, uh, Hey, is this Amazon? Yeah, it is. Uh, I've actually ordered from them as a seller before. I don't necessarily know that all of the things that they said that they sell are in the UK because it seems it seemed like it was shipped to me a lot faster than, than how, you know, all the way across the pond. Um, but I, other than that, I don't, I don't think on hides, uh, in any way. Okay. Yeah. And that, that VP there was speaking of tinfoil hats, there was some conspiracy theories going on about that. Like, they're favoring the VP. They're going to give her the buy box. And <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. That was that was fun. that was a fun week. Because <laughs> that's that's something that that would probably happen. Um, all right. So uh, in this one, this might be its own episode. I know you have a uh, you've done a video clip, uh, um, at least a, a short, if not a full episode uh, on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we get around order cancellations at online stores when placing new orders or smaller test orders? Okay. So, uh, it's a good question. My, my default answer to most people, because this is usually like, you know, Target's going to ban me. How do I get around it? Well, I've been buying from Target for like seven or eight years and I've never been banned. So, so fault answer is find, find supplies that don't cancel your orders, orders. Uh, and now, now is, you know, there are extensions now that now that can help that kind of stuff. Uh, there's OA, OA buddy. Uh, they don't sponsor the show, show but you know, we do have an affiliate link for it. So, so you're more welcome to support us in that way. I, I will, uh, I don't mind, I don't mind saying that during the show, but uh, find places that aren't going to cancel you. And there, there are plenty out there. I'm not going to start listing off places that won't cancel you because then everyone's going to go shop there and uh, you got to do a little bit of your own work. Uh, but there are also ways around uh, ban hammers. Uh, you can use VPNs. You can use different email addresses. You could use different mailing addresses. You could use privacy cards. Uh, there are a lot of different ways to get around these things. Uh, my question to a lot of people is, is it worth your time to do all of that? Uh, you know, target is target. For example, let's say that you decide you're going to go really hard at target. Let's say they're, 
they always have a buy two get one free video game sale. This is where a, a friend of mine was actually banned for buying 300 of, 300 of the video game from Target <laughs> on the on the buy one free sale. I mean, I mean, he had that coming. He painted that own he painted Target on his own back, and and he does he deserved that. Uh, he probably he must have had fist in the air yelling YOLO as he did it. Oh, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, now, is there a way to get around that target bin? Yeah, absolutely. Using those methods, uh, using you know different email addresses, privacy cards, all of that stuff. You know, wouldn't be too hard to do. Um, you know, but you have to question: you know, Is it worth the time and trouble to do that? Now, if you're making thousands a month at a a particular site who doesn't like resellers, yeah, it might be worth your time. Uh, you know, I love Target. I, I like sh I like sourcing Target. However, I realize that typically when I buy stuff from Target, uh, I probably need to sell it pretty quickly because uh, a lot of other people source there and they're gonna find it pretty quickly and, and the price is going to end up going down. Uh, so if I were banned at Target, I probably would not try really hard to get around that ban. Uh, I would either buy in store uh, or just stop sourcing there and source other places. Um, we could go a lot deep, lot deeper into the exact process on that. I don't think we can do that on this, ep this episode, um, you know, but we could, we could eventually. Uh, fun fact, I am banned at Target. Are you really? I am. And I nice. have no idea why, because I, Interesting. I am an eternal test buyer. <laughs> like I don't, I don't order more than, you know, it's single digits pretty much all the time. I, I mm. thought I was treading very lightly, but, uh, I don't know, something happened. I don't know. Maybe that's, it was prep center or something like that. That could be. Yeah. And see, one of the things that I do at target is I often order the maximum quantity that I can, uh, I don't, I have, so in the past, I have ordered like a hundred units at a time from Target. Uh, and one particular item I'm thinking of was a, a small and light grocery item. Uh, and you could order a maximum of 20. And I would do that five times in a day. And then I would wait a week and I would reorder, you know, another hundred and then, you know, the next week and so on. Um, but those items were all full price. I, I was never getting discounts or anything like other than, you know, a red card discount or, or something like that um, um, at an issue. Uh, uh, if you want to use Target or someplace, someplace like try to find product products that lost leaders for them, because that's I'm, I mean, that's pissing them off to be to be quest. Right. True. And, you know, one thing that's been working for me at stores not named target uh you know if i do get a like a card declined or something like that mm -hmm. uh simply uh adding my credit card to a paypal account yes. and then checking out through paypal that has worked for me a lot um and that's that's my go-to so and and if that doesn't work I, I probably bail on the order altogether from there so yeah i'm not doing i'm not setting up my prep center as the the billing address on the credit cards and there's you know, there are advanced tactics uh, out there, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I like to keep it pretty simple. So, all right. So another, uh, uh, this is another can of worms thing that, that we could probably talk uh, for quite a long time about, but uh, 
this has to do with variations. Um, the question is regarding variations of a product. Uh, it looks like each variation has a different ASIN, but is keep it tracking the product listing across all variations. So by going under the variations tab, are we basically treating each variation like a separate product? Uh, the, the asker is slightly confused and appreciates the response. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this is, this is a lot of questions and ones in one. So I'm going to break this down. Uh, it looks, it looks like variation has a different ASIN. Yeah. Yes. That's true. So the way that, that let's say, let's say shoes, for example, with, uh, with a shoe listing, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have a bunch of different colors. And then under each one of those colors, you're going to have a bunch of different sizes. Uh, now the listing will have a, what's called a parent ASIN. So whatever that is, uh, that will be the parent ASIN that's for the entire listing. And then each variation. So the shoe, the white shoe size 12 is going to have its own very own ASIN. And then the black shoe in size 11 is going to have its own ASIN. And those ASINs are called child ASINs. Now, the way that these are tracked on Amazon or sorry, on Keepa is a little weird. Uh, all of the sales for child ASINs roll up to the parent ASIN. So when you look at the sales rank on something that has variations, the sales rank is going to be reflective of all of the sales for all of the child ASINs, all right? So, so if, if size 12, 12 in sells 400 a month and, and seven in white sells uh, 50 a month, well then, then you know, they're gonna be added together and then they all roll up to that, that parent, parent ASIN. Um, now the way that keep attracts that they, you know, we talked about how they track the sales rank. Uh, they do track the price for each child ASIN. So the black size 11 and the, uh, the white size 12, they will have different prices on them. And you'll see that in the graph, but the sales rank will stay the same. Uh, Keepa will also track the number of reviews. Uh, that are different for each variation. So you'll be able to see that, you know, one size and one color has uh, 12 reviews over the past 12 months. And this other size and color variation has 50 reviews over the past 12 months or, or whatever you happen to be looking at. Uh, so you do need to kind of treat them like their own separate products, but you've got to also look at it so that you're kind of looking at the whole. Okay. And one of the other things I like to look at when I'm looking at variations is I want to make sure that I'm not buying, buying some that is kind of a, what I call a flaw, a flyer. So let's say, say the average price across the ACE, the ASIN is $50, but in single variation it is sell for $120. Well, that's going to throw up a red flag flag to me and I'm going to wonder, well, does it historically sell at that price? And, uh, is it getting reviews at that price and, and things like that? Um, you know, so variations can be, can be a difficult topic to tackle. Uh, and we probably should go kind of in depth on, on how they work and stuff like that. But I think that's a, an okay thousand foot view of them. Right. So, um, this is a, a chain of custody question next. 
Um, it says, you mentioned not sourcing from eBay because of chain of custody, uh, not being able to prove chain of custody. Uh, could you explain more about uh, what, what chain of custody is? Um, they say, I knew approval was needed to sell certain brands or items, but I hadn't heard of chain of custody. It's a good one. So my general advice is not source on eBay. Now, there are some caveats to that. I know that I think Best Buy still sells on eBay. Uh, I know that uh, in, a, in, a, in another lifetime, or what, feels like, what feels like another time, Toys R Us had an eBay, eBay store. I believe Adidas still sells on, sells on eBay. Uh, so would I, would I buy those places on eBay? Probably. I don't think I'd have a pro problem there. Uh, you know, your, your receipt is going to say that you bought it from Adidas USA or, or Best Buy. Uh, and I would, I would really, really fight with those. Um, but if I were to buy an item from eBay from, I don't know, Jim's bait and tackle, uh, you're, you're not going to be able to show Amazon that the item you purchased is legit because Jim's bait and tackle is nobody. They're, they're not, a they're not a known retailer like Walmart, Target, etc. And so you don't know where that seller bought the item. Uh, I recently purchased, uh, a toy for my, my son really wanted this, uh, I don't know, this, what was it? So he plays Roblox and he likes to play this game, Adopt Me. And he's also figured out what eBay is. And so he'll go, he'll go and things on eBay or eBay or, or Google shopping or whatever. Uh, uh, and he had a plush toy from one of the characters from this Roblox, Roblox game. And he found it on eBay and said, daddy, could I, could I please, please have the, this plush? And I said, okay i said but when you get it you are going to be disappointed i said because the person selling this they are buying these counterfeit or cheaply made items from alibaba or aliexpress uh and that's what you're going to get and he said no that you know that's not it that's not what's going to happen uh and so sure enough it shows up that's exactly what happened and one eyeball's fallen off and uh you know i'm pretty sure it was lead lined uh, or or whatever <laughs> But, but that's the kind of thing that you risk there. And that now, could you go to Jim's bait and tackle shop and say, Hey, do you happen to have the receipt from where you purchased this item so that I could show Amazon that we've got a, a really good chain of custody. It came from Walmart to Jim's bait and tackle, uh, you know, to Chris's storefront to the end consumer. And you could show that convoluted chain of custody, uh, that it's a, a legit item. But Jim's bait and tackle might be a Saturday morning garage sailor uh, or a thrift shop buyer or, or, or what, uh, and then they're going to have going to have seat that's no good or they're not going to have going to have any at all because they bought it from from Sally Street, uh, and now now your have custody is ruined and you can't you cannot show the provenance of an item. I start using Pawn Stars talk. Uh, you know, but you cannot show that an item is actually legit or has come from, you know, directly from Hasbro or directly from Walmart, uh, where we know they have good, uh, sources for their products. So that's why I typically tell people don't go buy off of eBay. All right. And in, in the spirit of Pawn Stars, you know, they ask for chain of custody, you go, 
Oh, best I can do is this this receipt ticket. <laughs> right, isn't that is that Pawn Stars where you always Yeah. Yep, yeah, that's exactly who everything's that is. low balled. Yeah, best I could do. All right. That's uh all right, so we um <laughs> this this might be uh tinged with a bit of uh personal experience here. Um <laughs> but uh, the question is it seems that Amazon is increasingly losing inventory. Okay. <laughs> Let's assume that's a, a fact. Um, how do you deal with this, and how would you manage cash flow for this? Which those those are actually good questions. I, yeah, I, I, I question the validity of of the the preemptive statement. So this is this is sort sort of an anecdotal question because you know, you know everyone's perception is reality, and it happens to, if you happen to be. Uh, a string of bad luck where Amazon is lo losing inventory. Well, of course, that's happening to everybody. Uh, I will have to say personally, Amazon's been pretty good to me over the past year or two. Uh, there have been times where it does seem like Amazon is losing more of my inventory than other times, uh, and it sort of goes in these waves. How do you deal with this? Well, there are a couple of things. Number one, you need to have good records. Uh, you need to make sure that you're keeping your receipts or your invoices uh, and they're easy to find and, and you can have something you can annotate and show Amazon. Listen, here is what I sent in. Uh, Inventory Lab can help you with this or, or you know, if you use ScanPower or whatever, uh, but being able to show Amazon the box contents is also very helpful in addition to your receipts. Uh, and then on top of that, I don't think it's a bad idea to maybe even take pictures of, of open boxes before you send them, send them in and saving those along with your receipt, your receipts. Now, does that sound like a huge pain, pain in the neck? Absolutely. Taking a picture of it, of it, making sure it's dated properly, or it's got, it's got the right, uh, shipment ID attached to, to it or whatever. Uh, yeah, that sounds, sounds like five minutes of, of hassle. Uh, but that picture might get you reimbursed where maybe someone's having a bad day and they don't want to reimburse uh, based on receipts or or, uh, or box contents. Um, but if you have all of those things, you should be fine. Uh, is it a headache? Yes, absolutely. Uh, is it something you want to deal with? Not really. Uh, it's also something you could outsource. Uh, you know, if you're a client of like Seller Candy, uh, or you have a virtual assistant, you can have them bang their head against the brick wall as long as it takes instead of you, uh, because your sanity is probably worth more than uh, the couple of dollars that it, that it would cost. Now, how do you manage cash flow for this kind of kind of thing? I think the only thing you can do is have some cash in reserves. This kind of thing is bound to happen. Doesn't matter if you're Walmart, your target, or you are a hundred dollar a month seller on Amazon. Amazon there's going to be a time where you're going to going to come cash flow pinch. Uh, uh, Martin Target have institutional line credit for these kinds of issues, uh, but for us, you know, you know lowly retailers, uh, we've got to have have our own cash saved up for these kinds of pinches. Uh, so. What I do is I actually have a, a savings account where I keep some, you know, an extra 
bit of money in case I come into a cash flow crunch like this, where I can tap into that uh, to kind of tide me over until I get reimbursed by Amazon, and then I can refill uh, those cash reserves. Uh, alternatively, you could have maybe an extra credit card laying around. Uh, maybe you could get a business line of credit that you, uh, you know, leave laying around and don't use all of. Uh, or maybe you've got a rich uncle that you could go and, and tap into and ask for some sort of short-term loan with uh, somewhat favorable terms. Um, well, that, I think that's really the best you can do. You, you need to know that there are going to be rainy days uh, and there needs to be some sort of rainy day fund, uh, however that might look for you. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, uh, and this may, this may feel like a, a, a meatball kind of answer a little bit, but um, I think a certain amount of consistency can alleviate the sting. Um, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunately something that you, you have to be prepared for, you know, but if you have, if you have your, your ducks in a row and you have your documentation and, and you've done everything right, just in case, um, you know, I mean, I think unless you're struggling to, to get your shipping cost down, you know, if you're, if you're struggling to get a ship a shipping, a shipment together to get your, your, you know, cents per pound calculation down under, you know, 50 cents a pound or whatever, unless you're in that situation, you know, I think just doing consistent batches, just kind of focusing on the process and just keep pumping stuff in steadily, uh, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, just doing gigantic shipments, you know, maybe once or twice a month or something like mm -hmm. that, uh, that would obviously alleviate the sting too. Now that's whether yeah. that's feasible on an individual level or not, that, that's another question, but yeah, that would certainly yeah. help too. I, I definitely agree with that. I, you know, there was, there was a time when I would only ship in like once a month. Uh, I'd love to say that that was tactical. It wasn't, it was out of pure laziness <laughs> and anything. Uh, the fact that I enjoyed source sourcing, I enjoy prepping and shipping, shipping. Um, and those were the, were the time when, when I wall and be like, oh crap, I, I don't have any, have any cash. I don't have any cash flow coming in and in. I don't you know, like, what do I do? How do I go? So, well, I had to wait till stuff started selling, uh, you know, but then I moved to you know, prep center and then you get weekly shipments, uh, you know, or, well, actually for, before we had a prep center, we actually hired someone and we were doing twice weekly shipments. Uh, and the difference in cash flow between twice weekly shipments and a once a month shipment uh, is incredible. It's absolutely insane. Uh, yep. And then you pair, you know, you, I'm, I am very privileged in the fact that I've got daily payouts with no reserves, uh, but you pair it with something like that and uh, you've got a, a, you can create a serious cash flow monster, uh, you know, if you, if you just stick to the process. Definitely. Cause that's, uh, there's a, a, a very weird, um, it takes a while to get used to the ebbs and flows of the money with Amazon. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you see that question a lot in, in the, uh, from newer sellers, you know, it's, they have, you know, they sell a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff and, and then they look on the payments tab and they're getting $6 back from Amazon. And, you know, <laughs> they don't, you, you know, which, and I'm not sure I could explain it, you know, coherently either, but, yeah, it, there's just there's a there's a bit of a lag 
you yeah. know, before the uh, before you actually get the the profits. So a um, couple a couple other things I might add about cash flow. Uh, one, a lot of people think we as they get into this, and you know, maybe they come to this with the whole you know I'm, I'm this is it, this is my ticket out of a nine to five. This is how I get rich. Uh, you know, whatever brings you to Amazon, I, that's fine. Uh, you know, but then we get to the reality portion. Uh, and you need to realize that it's probably the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. There, there is no business that, uh, is not going to have cash flow issues at some point. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's SaaS, doesn't matter if it's a brick and mortar business at some point, there is likely going to be some sort of, of cash flow issue. And, and you just need to to know that, be ready for it. It's kind of the nature of, of a business owner. Uh, uh, then a couple of books that may be, help, be helpful uh, are Small Time Operator, Operator a great book uh, to be able to manage a, a business, a, you know, kind of a, a sole prop, prop or a, an individual uh, and manage things, things like Kilo. Uh, and then um, just about anything by Mike Michalowicz. Uh, so you've got Profit First, you've got Profit First for the uh, e-com seller. Uh, you got the pumpkin plan, uh, and he's got other books as well. Uh, but those would all be helpful, uh, to read through and, and kind of help you come up with a system to manage your cash flow uh, properly. Um, and just, a, sorry, just, a I guess a, a spoiler alert, uh, in all of those books, they're going to be talking about some sort of rainy day slush fund uh, for those times when there are pinches. They they have different names for them, but they're all going to be in there. Yes. And uh, the one asterisk I would put uh, on one thing you said, um, according to my nine-year-old daughter, there will be no cash flow issues when she becomes a YouTube star and a TikTok influencer. <laughs> so that's... Oh, man. Just, uh, oh. you know... All nine-year-olds have the exact same dream of being being a YouTube star. It's star. It's in. Yes, I, I mean, there's got to be some sort of cut, you know, because I, if I gotta if I gotta be on the background of a TikTok video while I'm trying to make dinner or something like that, that's I need some royalties. So, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So. All right. So uh, <laughs> this one, I have I have zero input on this next question. <laughs> Um, All right. Because uh, they tease me in the mastermind. Um, I have never, ever done anything FBM. I am. Wow. 100 percent FBA. Um, you, sir, we, deserve a scarlet letter or something. 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. Three and a half years. 100 um, percent. So um, but the question is, what what makes you do FBM instead of FBA? Um, other than maybe a hazmat issue. All right. Um, this is a good question. So hazmat, I am hazmat approved, so I can send those into FBA and, and I typically will. Um, un unless the items are selling really, really fast and there are no FBA sellers, um, I might merchant fulfill them just for for purpose of speed. Uh, uh, so typically for me, uh, I merchant fulfill when I know I know things are selling at an insane insane rate. Uh, 
So I'll bring up a, uh, a actually a leak from last year's Q4 group, uh, the One Chip Challenge. Uh, so standing in a 7-Eleven, I saw the One Chip Challenge sitting there. I look it up on Amazon. Sure enough, uh, they're ranked like under a thousand on Amazon, uh, and I buy the entire display, uh, and then I buy all the displays at. Uh, maybe half a dozen other other uh, 7-Elevens in, in my area. Uh, those were selling at such an incredible clip that uh, I figured I could sell at Merchant Fulfilled uh, and be able to get it out faster uh, than having to send it into Amazon and wait for them to intake it and things like that. And then I'd get my money back really, really quickly. Uh, and I also wanted to make sure to be able to get in and out before the price tanked. Well, the price actually didn't really tank. Uh, it stayed pretty solid just because the demand was there. Um, that was a big factor for me. It was just speed, speed. Uh, and then some people would say, well, but if I'm going to merchant uh, and all, I'm, I'm, I'm selling FBA sellers, aren't they going to get the buy, buy box? Well, we'll go back to one of our previous quest questions, regional buy boxes. Uh, when I sold those one chip challenges, I want to say that 60 to 70% of them stayed in the state of Florida. Uh, and even though there were FBA sellers at the same price as me, uh, because of the fact that I could get them to Florida buyers faster than someone whose inventory was in South Carolina or, uh, you know, Kentucky or Ohio, I was getting a regional buy box here and I was selling through without an issue. Uh, so those are really the things that I look for in a merchant fulfilled product. Items that are moving really, really fast. Uh, and, you know, that, that's really about it for me. I, I, I don't go necessarily looking for them, uh, but you're going to find a lot of opportunities with hot toys in Q4 where you can buy them in store. You can list them before you've checked out. Uh, and you'll sell the item before you check out of the store because, you know, it's, I don't know, it's a Cocoa Melon that's ranked, that's ranked you know, 100 in toys. Uh, and, uh, and you compete with FBA sellers, sellers you're going to get some regional buy box and it's, and it's going to go to a buyer right down the street from, from you. Uh, and you can get it to them, you know, next day, day uh, really, really quickly. So that's, that's kind of stuff to look for in FBM. Nice. And those, uh, those one chip challenge, uh, that lead alone paid for the entire Q4 group last year. Yeah, I, I would, I would dare say it should have paid for the Q4 group for uh, dozens of people in, in as long as they, they actually went out and bought them. No. And I, I, of course I did all of mine FBA though. So I think the, the limited supply, uh, kept that good. I think that's. I was definitely confident in, in doing it that way. And if any of my Absolutely. friends are listening, uh, I, I am not an MFer. So despite <laughs> what you guys say, so yeah, I should add one more thing to this merchant fulfilled thing. Um, I will merchant fulfill, uh, if I'm testing something. So, um, I won't tell the whole story here as I told Chris about this, uh, in a, in a message not so long ago, but. Uh, I recently created a listing and I, I'm not one to create listings very often. Uh, I had no, I had no idea or not it, it would gain traction. I, I kind of thought it might. Uh, 
and end up it did gain track in traction did merchant fulfill the ones that i sold sold uh because you know it was a test test i'm gonna return the items uh, uh if they didn't all <clears throat> but i also I also didn't send in uh six units of a product to amazon just to test to see whether or not it would sell so created the listing uh you know merchant fulfilled the items that sold ran a, a little bit of it uh, cost me about 50 cents worth of ppc uh, to get you know a couple of sales and then the rest of it was organic uh, and I just merchant fulfilled those really just to not have to ship in you know six items from my house uh, you know or send them off to a prep center or whatever uh, that would be the other reason if I was testing something all right uh, so next question is uh, if I'm using FBA uh, in terms of competition analysis, uh, should I only be checking FBA sellers? This kind of ties into what uh, we were talking about. Yeah. Um, I would argue, I would say probably not. The buy box is really, what, really what's in these days more than anything anything else you want to you want to be able to have have that piece of real estate on amazon on uh, sales uh and and the algorithm changes some sometimes so uh chris you probably remember remember the height of covid uh it se seemed like merchant fulfilled uh was actually the algorithm had changed so that merchant fulfilled was weighted heavier uh, and you could actually sell for a higher price merchant fulfilled than you could as an FBA seller and you'd actually get the buy box. Uh, and a lot of that had to do with the speed at which Amazon could, you know, get things out. They were down on employees, employees were sick, things like that, you know, but you're shipping out of your house or whatever. And so they knew things were going to go a little bit faster. Uh, now it seems to be the other way. Does F does FBA get the buy box uh, weighted a little bit more than FBM? It seems that way, uh, you know. But merchant fulfilled sellers can still get the buy box, uh, and so I like to take them all into account. Um, but I know that I could typically charge a little bit more than a merchant fulfilled seller, and hopefully take over the buy box. Um, but I, I don't know. I always want to see now. Now, but there's there's kind of a flip side flip side to them where there are some some people for prime only and there's that little filter where they only they only want to sign products and, and those are going to be mostly fba sellers there are some uh, some fbm prime sellers out there there a whole lot um you know in in that case they're only going to see fba sellers you know but uh, I don't know how many people actually use that filter, so I, I kind of try to take a much larger view personally. Yeah, and, and it seems like from my experience, uh, you know, FBM sellers can have the buy box, and, but I think there are different, uh, different strengths of grip that they have. You know, it seems like there are some that, you know, if somebody, if an FBM seller is, is sitting there at, at $34.99, on a product, sometimes I could jump in at thirty nine ninety nine FBA and take the buy box. Mm -hmm. Other times, I need to go thirty four ninety eight if I want to pry it away. Yeah. You know? So it's I, I don't think you can just put the blinders on necessarily if you're you know if you're truly you know 
uh, you know, looking at, at, you know, doing competition analysis like that, I don't think you can just kind of completely shun, um, you know, FBA altogether. I I agree. And and then you're probably going to, if, if you go out and you, and you consume a, a, a of Amazon content, content here some people say oh well you know i i, I sell through time at 15 percent higher than other other fbas and things like that um you know and that does happen on occasion uh you know but again i i, I don't think that they're necessarily taking into account the fact that there are regional buy boxes uh you know and that's something you can't account for when you're trying to buy a product you can't you can't say oh well i know my inventory is probably going to be in this area because you know today's shipment maybe your inventory is all on the east coast and then tomorrow's shipment well maybe all of it gets transferred to the west coast you know it, it's up to the algorithm and where amazon feels like they need the inventory um so i'd love to be able to be like oh yeah just price 15 percent above everybody else and you, you know you're going to get sales eventually but that that has to do with regional buy boxes and I don't know. It's just, it's too much to try to wrap your mind around while also trying to source and make sure that you're making good buying decisions and looking at keep a keep a graph and ROIs and net profit profits and all of those things. So I think it just in general, I think it's good advice. Like any, any content that you're consuming that has really sharp edge definitive statements <laughs> maybe take take with the greatest salt. i think that's the theme here is that you know there, there's gray areas and and you know um there's a, a little bit of uh there's wiggle room and everything I, anybody that's a, a little overconfident with their responses uh, be wary of yeah absolutely all right so uh and now this is uh interesting too this is uh another another potential episode on its own um how do you set goals for your amazon business do you have a daily spend goal a monthly spend goal um, are you shooting for a certain number of units purchased uh this is there's there's a lot of meat on this bone yeah yeah th this probably is something that we we do need to do an entire episode on um so and we kind of talked about this in in the past but uh, I think that you need to have a North star. You do need to have a goal in mind. Okay. But then you've got to forget the goal, the goal to focus on the, the process and what easiest way to, to bring your goal into bite, bite size or fun size, little chunks and becomes your process. So, so for me, it's a daily spend goal. That's that seems to be the easiest way to to kind of hit that that long term that, that maybe that annual goal. So uh, we'll we have a rule. We we don't typically do public math, so we're going to use some round numbers and we're going to use some some really uh, you know don't check this math. Okay, so let let's say that you want to sell a hundred thousand dollars in in a, a year on Amazon, uh, and let's just say that you you have a twenty percent ROI. Well, now it's time for us to back into those numbers. Okay, so at a twenty percent ROI, uh, you know how much do we need to uh, 
buy to send into Amazon to be able to sell $100,000 a year? Off the top of my head, I have no idea. But let's just say it's $250 per day because you source five days per week, four weeks out of the month. Uh, now, my $100,000 has been backed into a, a nice chunk of $250. That's what I have to do every single day. Single day I spend $250. Bucks. And, and I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have, don't have to worry next week uh, because, because what happens when you worry about tomorrow and next week? Well, you become anxious, anxiety takes over. Am I going to hit this goal? That kind of stuff. You don't, you don't need that in your life. You need something that you can knock down today that's going to get you to your goal tomorrow. A great book on this topic uh, would be The One Thing by Gary Keller. Fantastic book. Um, but that's what I do personally. So whatever your goal, whatever your goal is, break that down into little bite-sized chunks uh, and then just focus on that. Uh, Chris has a fantastic tracker, uh, which you can find in the show notes. You can, uh, you know, drop your email. He'll send it right over to you. Uh, and it allows you to break all of that down so you can track every single day. Uh, how much did I buy? Uh, you know, how much did I spend? And did I hit my goal for the day? And as long as you do that, uh, and you continue to do it, uh, over time and, I throw in there, you know, maybe try to get try to get one better every day or every week on that spend that spend goal, uh, especially as you get better at source sourcing, uh, and then you know that will that will not lead you into a growing business over over time. Um, and I guess another thing about this, don't bite off more more than you can do. Uh, you know that this is not a get rich quick business. This is something you want to have for the long term. So you know if your daily spend goal is $50, that's fine, you know, but know that, you know, in a month, uh, hopefully it's going to be $65 and, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, and you kind of grow this business over a, a long period of time. Yeah. And, and, uh, anyone who's listening, who's, who's downloaded and started using that tracker, um, <clears throat> I've used it every single day for about three years straight now. Um, and it's it, it really helps it it's a lot easier in my opinion to measure things when you've chopped it down into individual days you know and and the nice thing about the tracker is that it'll actually tell you what pace you're on it's just and it's just calculations um based on what your your monthly goal is so but i can see you know especially once you get into the the point where you're taking some days off you know like when when we went on vacation um a few months ago you know, I, I know I can, you know, I can start buying extra before we leave and then put my zeros in for the time I was away. And then I can see where I'm at, you know, and then I've got a good idea of what kind of pace um, I need to uh, operate at once I'm back at the grind. So, but uh, yeah, the, you know, the question was, you know, do you have a daily spend goal, a monthly spend goal? Are you shooting for a, a certain amount of units? Uh, the answer is D, all of the above. <laughs> you know? Because, uh, you know, like like you, you know, you explained, uh, you know, the daily. Uh, daily kind of feeds into the monthly. Um, and then, you know, keep a track of units. You know, if you have a prep center um, or you've got uh, a, you brought on a second prep center as a backup, you know, you may be tracking uh, minimum units that you need to get over there. Um, or it, it may be a measurement that you like 
um, as far as your, your growth in your own business. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's a certain amount of units. Uh, maybe that's a target that you're shooting for instead of, you know, sales volume. So mm-hmm. um, I think they're I think they're all important. Yeah. If I could if I could implore people to do one thing for their business is I yeah, I know some people are like, oh yeah, you know, this is how many units we we, we every month, but um I would beg you to to in average selling price before or focusing on number of units units sold. Uh it is it's a it's a lot easier to hit a hundred thousand dollars a year here in say selling fifty dollar items is selling ten dollar items uh and oftentimes you're you might find some you might find a little bit uh fewer competition because people are worried about spending more uh when they you know sell higher priced items uh and you can oftentimes find some really good discounts and and uh coupon codes and things like that for some of these items that are a little bit higher priced uh you know so yeah if you can focus on some higher price items and uh you're going to see those numbers go up yeah it does make things a lot easier mhm so all right so <laughs> it's, it's, uh like, we replace the tinfoil hat with uh, maybe a, a black or a gray hat. Um, yeah. And I certainly hope this person isn't asking this because they're considering it. <laughs> I hope it's just general curiosity. But uh, the question is, is it possible to buy out all competitors' products on a listing, list my own for sale, and then after I sell out, return all the competitors' products to them? Uh uh, this this <laughs> the asker cannot imagine this would be okay with Amazon, but my Google searches don't actually give me a clear answer. Some people say this is totally acceptable. This this sounds like someone who maybe has spent some time on uh, in the depths of the Amazon forums, uh, <laughs> the the cesspool uh, that place is, uh, or I don't know. The, you know what the other place reddit uh it's also it's really great uh you know but on the other hand there is also it's a cesspool over there as well um but and and you're showing you're showing favoritism to TikTok again you just you're trying to keep them out of the conversation you know actually you know that's that's the other thing if this was if this was said on TikTok, man dag on uh <laughs> No. Uh, can you do that? Could you do it? Theoretically, yeah. Uh, you know, has it happened? Yes, absolutely. Uh, matter of fact, I think, and I can't remember if we talked about it on the show or uh, I know that I know that I've seen our in our Discord or in our in our in our Facebook somewhere. But there was fuzz for a time a uh, quote unquote unquote going around. Where if you if you bought an inventory that someone had with like a like a bad card number, uh, Amazon, Amazon would deliver to you. Well, of course that's that's not the case. If Amazon didn't get paid, they didn't ship the items to you. But what it did is it essentially pulled the products out of someone's storefront and put them on hold until Amazon figured out that the items weren't paid for. Uh, now, if you do this to your competitors and anybody figures it out. I would imagine they're probably going to try to report you to Amazon, uh, and and that would be that would be against I want to say Section Three 
of the Amazon agreement that you signed becoming an Amazon seller. Uh, I can't remember exactly what that's that's called, but um, you know, you're, you're messing with something you're not supposed to be messing with. Uh, now, um, you know, could you do it? Yeah. Uh, is that ethical? No, absolutely not. Uh, I would I would say that's highly unethical. Uh, and against Amazon terms of service, I, please don't do that. Uh, you know, if you know if you read this on some forum and and you just and you just have across our podcast, for the love of things, holy and holy and good, do that. Uh, it's it's wrong, wrong. Eventually, karma will catch up to you. Uh, from the way of some sort of Amazon suspension or something like that. Or if you have your home address listed as your business on your seller profile, uh, potentially torches and pitchforks may show up as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, not acceptable at all. So, All right, next one. Uh, when ordering products online, do you try to get free shipping on every order? Or are you counting the shipping cost as part of your buy cost when you're sourcing? I think maybe the the more important question is, what do you do if you have to pay shipping as far as factoring into the the buy cost? Yeah. Uh, so here's what I will do when I do have to pay shipping. So, uh, and actually, here's one of the places that this happens on a, I don't know, I wouldn't say fairly regular, but but more often than you might think. I like to source Walgreens. I've I've said it in the past on on the podcast. I've said it in just about every sourcing video I've ever made. Uh, and on a I don't know maybe twenty percent of the orders I make there, I end up having to pay a little bit a little bit of uh, you know, especially if I'm buying buying things uh, and stuff like that. So, so what I will do is I will t- will typically the cost of shipping. And I light it out over the number of, of items that I am purchasing. Uh, and that way, it, you know, just makes, makes it nice to see, you know, maybe it adds 20 or 25 cents or you know, 50 cents or whatever it is to every single item. Uh, and I just put that into my cost of goods sold. Uh, now, do I try to get free shipping? Yeah, absolutely. If, if a place offers free shipping, it's absolutely great. Uh, but... I will not stay away from a source just because they don't offer free shipping. And here's the reason. When a a retailer does not offer free shipping, you're probably actually looking at quite an opportunity because there are going to be a lot of other people who are like, how am I supposed to make money if I have to pay shipping uh, without ever doing any more research at all? That just that puts them off uh, because they're thinking like a customer and they're not thinking like someone who is selling things for profit. Uh, so, you know, well, heck, I'll just throw one out. Web, webstore.com. Uh, uh, not get free shipping there, but there, but there are full items on that website. Uh, if you want to get free shipping, you pay them something like $100 a month. That's a pretty tall hur- hurdle for a lot of Amazon sellers uh, to pay a hundred dollars a month without any guarantee of being able to find profitable items just to get free shipping. Well, 
that $100 a month is probably going to be worth it in the long term if you get really, really good at sourcing that particular site. Uh, and they're not the only one like that. They're just, they're just one of the only well-known ones out there. So uh, I definitely would not turn away from a site just because there's not free shipping. And then I would just divide the shipping cost over the number of units I'm buying. Uh, and that's as easy as, as it is, in, in my opinion. I have a, I've had a lot of sessions where I am going through different quant, you know, quantities by one increment up and down to say, you know, and then recalculating shipping and you know, like where the sweet spot is on, mm -hmm. on, you know, uh, my buy cost. Um, yeah. I, like, I don't, what band, what price band are they going to put you in based on weight or, you know, yeah. is it going to, is it going to hit dimensional, dimensional and stuff? Yeah. Some of it can be a little, tr a little tricky. Yeah. And I actually, speaking of Walgreens, um, that's actually what I use my Walgreens cash for is uh, a lot of time to offset uh, shipping costs. Uh, you know, some of those, it doesn't take too long on some of these stuff uh, before you, you actually have to, I've got a surcharge, you know, because there's a certain weight limit, you know, where they start yep. adding, they start recharging shipping. Um, so I'll use my Walgreens cash for that. And then sales tax if I have to pay it on a, a Bobus order or something. So, uh quick quiz right now um who who's gonna have who will have more i have no idea how he uses his i just gave you a little snippet on on how i use mine what is your current balance of walgreens cash oh i just spent a ton of it so yeah. my current balance is like nine dollars and 75 cents oh i smoked you see I, I wrote it down i wrote it down so i'm showing it on on youtube you I'm looking that? at I'm looking at a small ooh two ninety very nice two ninety right so because you can only you only spend fifty bucks at a time right yeah yeah you can only spend fifty bucks yeah. at a time uh, I the other the other day I had around four hundred dollars I I went through and I or and I ordered a ton of stuff and and I blew blew through it uh, <laughs> I was. I was happy on one of them because it got my my cost, my cost per down to something like uh, two dollars and five cents. Uh, you know, on on I was buying it, it felt really good. Then the follow up question would be, how do you figure the buy cost on that? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it makes it makes replens tough if you're constantly throwing in odd numbers of, of rewards in there. You know. Oh yeah. You end up going back like six weeks later. It's like, how in the world did I get it for that price? You know, if you don't. <laughs> If you don't have your finger on it. All right. So uh, we only got a couple more. Um, all right. We're doing okay on time now that we've, yeah. now that we've come to grips that, that we're just going to keep talking for like 90 minutes, no matter what we're talking about. So um, as a lot of us sell grocery replenishables. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, there's the fear that a lot of items are having their costs inflated at the stores but this is not translating to an increase of listing price on Amazon. Wow, that was quite a ride. W would you see this as an actual issue that it could affect sales? Uh, th this question seems a bit loaded. Um, <laughs> right. um, so here one of the things about this question, question that I necessarily care for. Uh, you are... You're selling out of the else's pocket, and you're assuming that uh, the other people 
their cost of goods is the same as yours. Uh, and we can't do that. Uh, this, this, actually, this is something that I think is endemic uh, in the Amazon seller community. Uh, we assume that if my cost is $10, that everyone else I'm competing against, their cost is $10. Uh, when maybe uh, you're competing against a grocery seller who only sources uh, liquidation grocery stores like Grocery Outlet or um, I don't know, there were a couple of uh, Amish owned uh, grocery liquidators in Ohio that I used to frequent uh, who had great, great I mean, prices you could never touch, you know, even with all the discounts and coupons and and all of that stuff at regular grocery stores. Uh, so there have been times where my cost of goods sold, uh, I know that there's probably no way anyone could touch them, uh, which could allow me, allow me for a lease or, or not have to increase, increase my when, you know, everyone else might feel like they need to need to because of something like inflation. I know that right now, right now we're recording this on, uh, what, uh, date of 2022. So. We know, you know, uh, inflation is at a 40-year high. Uh, new numbers are coming out in 48 hours. We'll know whether or not they've turned the corner or if they're going to keep going up. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of assumptions in this question, which we just, we cannot do that, okay? Um, now, will, will prices end up rising on Amazon if inflation continues? Yeah, most likely. I mean, uh, not everyone is in this business to lose money. There, there are some people who, you know, are, it seems, uh, you know, but most people want to make a buck uh, doing this. So will, will the inflationary pressure catch up to things like grocery on Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, but we're also, you got to wait for all that backstock to, to get out of there. Uh, and, and do people go and source things where they're not seeing the price price on items, uh, uh, you know, so is it, is it going to allow for that to all turn over? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now would I see that this is going to affect, affect sales? I could inflation will, will, will affect sales eventually. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it has quite yet. I mean, at least that's what the numbers are saying, uh, but I'm not an economist either. So, uh, I mean, I know how to tell you about a supply demand curve, but a after that, I'm not smart enough to tell you, you know, what's actually gonna happen. Uh, I didn't expect jobs numbers to be, what, over half a million, the last job numbers report. And sure enough, the US economy just, just went out there and just crushed it. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's a weird time right now. So me trying to prognosticate what, what all of these factors are going to do. I'm going to leave that up to Paul Krugman. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think this is a bit, another answer that <laughs> the person asked, it's not going to like, uh, you know, we have a natural tendency to kind of hang on to the negative information as opposed to the positive so th mm -hmm. this kind of feels like a, a you know kind of compounding uh you know price tanking you know with you know inflation news which is you know it's all around us it's, it's floating so kind of combine those two things yeah the one thing i will say is uh in regards to inflation 
um, probably the, one of the bigger things you need to watch is what companies do with their products, especially since we're talking about groceries. Because uh, one of the tactics that these companies will take is they may keep the price the same, but you may notice a smaller volume in the container. Um, they'll just, you know, and, and it could be just an ounce or two, just different. All of a sudden, it's not 16 ounces, it's 14 ounces. Um, you may not notice it with the price, um, you know, because they can keep the price the same as kind of a sneaky way for them to, uh, uh, you know, get a little bit more money um, or reduce their costs. So, um, but so you could certainly see an Amazon customer, you know, going, I, I've been ordering this on Amazon for, you know, three years and it's always been a 16 ounce. And now all of a sudden it's a 14 ounce and damn you, Bezos, you're price yep. gouging, you know, all that stuff. You know, the, <laughs> it'll be the greatest hits album of cliches. So, <laughs> you make you made a really really good point uh, that I I hope people heard. Uh, but we tend to on to the negative. Uh, um, I am a, am a newsaholic, like like really really bad. I mean I mean sites up you know in the background all the time and. Uh, you know, the news on a TV in my office, uh, you know, all day while I'm working, uh, you know, flipping between all the channels. I mean, I, I am someone who tries to get all angles, uh, you know, because I want to be well informed. So I'd be flipping between CNBC and MSNBC and CNN and, and Fox News and, and trying to see every single angle. I mean, it was sick. Like I had a, I had a sickness. Um, and, uh, for your health, for your mental health, for, you know, being able to get things done for, uh, you know, not worrying about every single second, stop reading all the news. I mean, you know, we need to keep abreast of what's going on in the world. Uh, but if it bleeds, it leads. And that's what's, that's, what's going to come to the top of, of your newsfeed to the top of whatever website to the top, of whatever channel you're watching. Uh, and it's, you know, it's on both sides. It's, it's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a, you know, this side does side does do this and this side doesn't both, both of them. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stop so much news because you're just, just going everything in a negative light. Uh, uh, and we're all doomed and, uh, uh, and all that, but life will be much better. You'll have a much positive outlook if you, uh, close the ab for a little while. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the, Stoics, there's several different quotes that you could go there. You know, we, we control our reaction, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the key things. And, and we talked to, I think we talked about it with Chris Anderson in that interview, um, you know, it, a whole bunch of inflation news, right? And inflation and it's worst in 40 years. How is it affecting you? You know, the one thing that you can control is not only your reaction to it, but your own business. You know, like if you know your numbers and you, you know, you've got your processes and your system in, in place with your own business and you're, you know, you're you've got it under control. You're going to know how bad inflation is. Um, and I've I've said it multiple times. I think people uh, people get a worse impression based on the headline than the reality of it. Mm -hmm. You know, in, inflation, it's not hurting me. I mean, the stuff is stuff tanking. Yeah, but it's not just groceries. It's. You know, nor do I think it's inflation based. You know, I, it's uh, you know, th there's 
it just happens. You know, it's 80, 20, probably, you know, if you boil yep. it down and, and just, but just keep moving, just keep pumping stuff in and, and feed the beast. And, you know, most, I think it'll be all right. And take some time and, and, and look at history, you know, uh, you know, we, we had, we've had bad economic times, you know, in 2008, uh, in 2000, uh, you know, we could go back to the eighties when, when my grandfather actually bought a house on a credit card because, uh, interest <laughs> rates were so high that the credit card was better than a mortgage. Uh, you know, and then we want to, you want to go back even further to, you know, maybe the worst time and, and talk about the great depression. Uh, even in the great depression, there was only 24%, uh, unemployment. You know, yeah, there were bread lines and things like that, uh, but we pulled out the worst of what happened, and we don't often talk about, you know, what did all the good things that actually did come out of that, uh, you know, that economic depression. Some of the some of the companies we know and love today were started in those times. You know, uh, what GE and uh, several others came out of the Great Depression uh, that are still around today. Uh, so. I, I find, I, I find, uh, the harder the times, the, the better opportunity for the people ready to, to up to the plate and, and do what needs to be, needs to be done. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't wish an economic downturn on the, on the country or, or to affect any one person. Uh, but to be quite honest, if it does happen, uh, I really just see it as one giant opportunity for those of us who kind of have our eyes open and are ready to pounce, uh, you know, and leverage opportunities that are available to us. Yep. Absolutely. So we are, we are on our last question, believe it or not. All right. So, and, and this one's, uh, for beginners. Um, and this, this is a good one, especially for uh, beginners. Um, so with no more working capital while waiting on shipments, sales, uh, wait, I read that wrong. So there's no more working capital because they're waiting on shipments, sales, and then payouts to reinvest in inventory. Um, in that meantime, what are some things that you could or should be doing? This is a this is a really good question. I, I like this one. Um, so I think there are uh, several things. Number one, just because you don't have any money to invest does not mean that you don't have to source. Uh, and, uh, and what that is, let's say that, that I don't know, you've got a thousand dollars to invest, to invest in or and, and you spent all of it. I don't, if you've got, you've gotten into a bit of sourcing for two hours, every, every single, uh, I don't think that you, you should that habit on hold until you have money to spend. You should continue sourcing and rather than spending money on those products, put them into a spreadsheet and save them for when you do have money come back to them and if they're still profitable now you i mean you've got a, a list of things that you could potentially buy uh, without having to do all the work okay uh, the other thing you should do is you know make sure that you're taking care of your account uh, you know, spend some time making sure that there aren't any issues. If, if an issue does crop up, make sure that you're handling it. Uh, make sure that your inventory is being reconciled. Make sure that all of the units are getting checked in and sold. Uh, make sure your accounting is up to date because you don't want to wait until December to, you know, do all of your books. You want to make sure that those are, 
are up to date at all times. It just makes your life a lot easier. Um, you know, but the, the biggest is don't stop sourcing, you know, and, and even if you need to, to maybe give a leader to a way, way to, or join a mastermind and, uh, uh, give to someone else, what, whatever you want of them, but, uh, don't, don't stop sourcing. Having more leads is for a bad thing. Uh, and I think that would be the best use of your time. Uh, you know, and it's good practice, you know, especially for a, for a newer person, uh, you know, continuing to get those reps in, even without spending any money will make you better in the long run. Uh, so that, that's what I would do personally. Yeah. And that, that's really good advice. Um, especially knowing that it's this question's coming from a beginner, you know, we, we, we hinted at it earlier. Yeah, there's just a certain amount of reps that you have to get in. You know, you have to work out all those bad buys. I, re I still remember um, I was at Walmart when I was very early on in my Amazon selling uh, career. And there was a Facebook group where every once in a while they would they would make this post where it's like, should you buy or is this a good buy or something? And people could post different ASINs and, and you know, the, the more experienced sellers would, would kind of chime in and give their opinions. And I found this weed eater on clearance at Walmart. And I was so excited that I found something that was so much cheaper than the MSRP, you know, and it almost checked every single box, except it didn't really sell that often, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, but, but when it did, man, it was, it was really good. And I, it was one of those things. I remember feeling like you asked the question and I posted it and I, you know, I went home and I was hoping so badly that the answer was, yes, it was a good buy because I would have hopped in the car right back in the car as soon as I read it and run down there and grabbed them. You know, like I wanted the win so bad that I sacrificed a couple of the parameters of what I had learned was a good buy, you know, mm -hmm. just in my in my haste as a, as a newer seller. So, you know, so the more you can source, you know, just get a feel for it because, and there's also the saying that, that, you know, you make money on the buy, mm -hmm. you know? So the more time you could put in sourcing, you know, sourcing leads is, you know, another word for sourcing opportunities, you know? So obviously the more opportunities you can give yourself, you know, and, and keep a spreadsheet of all these opportunities, you know, not only you're getting your reps in, but now you've got, essentially what people pay good money for on lead lists and groups and people spend time and masterminds all for that opportunity, you know, to, to, to have a pool of things to buy that are potentially profitable. So that's never not going to be a good exercise. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, that was a great question to, to end this, uh, end this episode on. I think that was a, that was a great yeah, it was. one. Yeah, I agree. Um, now I will have to admit, I totally screwed up. I forgot to get a quote of the week ready for us. So I, I, we may have to go without one this week, but, uh, we'll, we'll make it up next week. I, I know that for sure. Um, didn't I, man, I thought I had, all right, do your, do your outro and, and I'll see yeah. if I can drum one up. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, guys. Thanks for thanks for listening. I appreciate you guys uh, again. Uh, you know, try to keep this uh, to about ninety minutes. Uh, it wasn't the original idea, but uh, that's what you guys are going to get. 
because we're long-winded and uh, I think, uh, well, I like the sound of my own voice apparently. Uh, but thanks for listening. Please do us a huge solid. Drop a review on uh, on whatever uh platform you're listening on uh hit the like hit the like button uh make sure to go and grab the track the tracker follow us on social media all the links all the links are going to show notes or in the youtube video where you where you watch uh and we appreciate you spending some some time with us. it's uh this is a lot of fun for us for us to do and uh, hopefully you're getting some value out of this so, so appreciate each and every one of you guys chris i pre- appreciate you for hanging out with me again uh and uh i think we'll see you guys next week Thanks for listening to Clear the Shelf with Chris and Chris. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone and share to Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite FBA group. And be sure to tag me and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear more from us in the future. Also, I'd like to give you some free gifts for listening. Head over to rabbittrailchallenge.com and repricerchallenge.com for some free courses to further your business. Thanks for listening.